Thanks a lot, OT, for leading us this morning. And thank you, Judy, for reading to us from God's Word. Um, that pretty lady, Judy, is my wife, for anyone who doesn't know. And we have two beautiful little girls. And one of the greatest things about having a toddler in your house is the way in which things that you as an adult have always considered to be fairly normal, plain, everyday items, they are actually something amazing. Okay, if anybody's watching this who has a toddler, you'll know what I'm referring to. For example, for us, uh, for our little toddler, Lila, there's something in our house which for most of us is an everyday occurrence. For her, it's full of excitement and it is going to the toilet. So Lila is currently working out how to use the toilet. And everything about the toilet is fascinating. Sitting on the toilet, very exciting. Toilet roll, I mean, come on, that stuff's amazing. What is the big crescendo of the toilet experience? It is flushing the toilet. Watching the water rushing down the, the bowl there is a very exciting thing for a toddler. So as you can imagine, that's made um, Christmas presents quite easy this year. I've already got a six pack of Andrex ordered, which has been pretty hard given that it's been 2020. But here's the thing, if there is such a sense of wonder for the toilet, you can only imagine what it was like in our household this year when we were putting up the Christmas tree. You know, getting the tree up, very exciting, wow. Putting the baubles on the tree, wow. Putting the star on top, wow. But what got the biggest wow factor? It was, of course, the Christmas lights. And you know, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, I think there is something about light which continues to grab our attention, even as adults. In fact, I think that we could argue that light very much characterizes certain moments of our lives. You know, whether it's standing in a field and looking up at the explosion of firework lights overhead on a dark autumn night. Or maybe it's uh, that time you went bathing in the warmth of the light on that epic holiday you took a few years ago. Or that time you were sitting around the campfire with a nice crisp beer in your hand watching the glowing ember lights floating up into the darkness. Or you know right now, the season we're in right now is we're driving around North Manchester and every other house has a little twinkle of lights on it. I think there is something about light that continues to grab our attention, that draws us in, that kind of gives us that nostalgic feeling because we're made for light, aren't we? You know, nobody wants to live in a world where there is no light. In fact, nobody could live in a world where there was no light. And in that sense, it is right that we have a sense of awe and wonder about light because light in and of itself is life-giving. You know, maybe Lila's response to the Christmas tree lights should be a little bit closer to our response. But our problem isn't that we don't all say, wow, when putting up the Christmas tree lights. Our problem is that all too often, we don't have a wow reaction when it comes to the true light. You know, when was the last time that your affections were genuinely moved by looking to Jesus? Now, here's what I'm not asking. I'm not asking, 
When was the last time you learned something really interesting about the Bible? When was the last time you really grasped some good theology? When was the last time you listened to a good sermon? I'm not asking any of those things. I'm asking, when was the last time you looked at Jesus and you just said, wow? Because maybe we all too often find ourselves saying, wow, at the metaphorical toilets in life. You know, our problem is that we are easily impressed by very unimpressive things. And all too often, we're not filled with anywhere near the right sense of awe and wonder about the greatest news that this world has ever known, that Jesus, the light, has come. Well, as we approach John 1 today, my hope is that God will help each of us by his word through this passage to regain the wonder of knowing Jesus. You know, here's some questions for you to consider as we approach this passage. Are you struggling to say wow about Jesus right now? Is there maybe something else that is captivating your heart at the moment? Maybe it's that whirlwind romance with that guy or that girl. Maybe it's that career that is currently hoarding all of your affections. Maybe your sexual desires are ruling over you just now. You know, you've watched porn again. You've slept with your boyfriend or girlfriend again. You gave in yet again. Maybe you just currently don't have time to be wowed by Jesus. You know, you've got kids. You're a busy person. You've got a job. Christmas is just around the corner. I don't really have time for this. Well, whoever you are, whatever your story, whatever situation you're coming to us today, let's together lean in to John 1 and let's get together rediscover the wonder of the light of Jesus. This is our first point. Rediscover the wonder of the light. You know, although we're only dipping into John's gospel together this morning, I think it's really helpful for us to get an idea as to where this book is going because John actually makes it really clear why he has written this book in the first place. And so it's helpful for us to know, well, where's this opening passage eventually taking us? If you're a dude learner, you've got your Bible open, you might want to underline this verse. In John chapter 20, verse 31, it'll be on the screen as well. Uh, it says this, this is why John wrote this book. He says, but these are written, this book is written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John's big aim here is to help his readers see that through putting faith in Jesus, we can have life. That's the big point of John's gospel. You know, John was an eyewitness to Jesus. He saw the things that Jesus did. He heard the things that Jesus said. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote the Gospel of John. And now, John, he wants us to see everything that Jesus did and said that it proves that he is who he said he is. He is the Son of God who brings life to all of mankind. And that's why if you're someone who's watching today um, and you haven't really got familiar with the Bible yet, John is a great place to start if you want to explore more about who Jesus is. Maybe you're someone who's done 321 with us recently. Maybe you're someone who would really love to just dig in deep and start to explore some of the claims of the Bible. John is a great book for you to go and read about who Jesus is. 
But John is also a really good book for Christians to run to, to find refuge in meeting with Jesus there. I think sometimes we can be a little bit guilty of approaching the Gospel of John um, with this idea that it's the evangelistic gospel. You know, I actually already know everything in that book. I'm already a Christian. Um, I'm, I'm actually really familiar with the things that John has already written. I, I prefer to read other parts of the Bible. But John is saying that he is writing this to you, whoever you are, Christian brother or Christian sister, that you may believe and have life in his name. You know, God has given us this book to sustain our faith in Jesus all the way to the end. Let's be honest, we're forgetful people. We need to be reminded of stuff. I mean, for example, how many of you have had this experience this year? Uh, You've got into your car, you've driven to the shops, you've got your trolley ready, and just as you're about to step into the shop, you put your hand in your pocket and you go, ah, I forgot my mask. I've done that at least twice. Despite the fact that all over the news it's saying wear a mask. On the side of buses it says wear wear a mask. On Instagram and Facebook every other post is wear a mask. Still we forget to do it sometimes. So how much more do we need to be regularly reminded of the truth of who Jesus is so that you and I can keep running this race that he has called us to? And that's what we have right here in John chapter 1. Truth that reminds us, that sustains us, that helps us to to rediscover the wonder of who Jesus is. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What an opening. John here is deliberately paralleling with Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created And here, John is saying, in the beginning was the Word. Who is the Word? Well, the Word is Jesus. Why is he called the Word? Because God has revealed who he is and what he says and what he does ultimately through his son, Jesus. Jesus is God's Word to us. His ultimate and final message is in his son. Jesus, the Son of God, who is the Word. And so straight out of the gate here, what is John saying? What is he trying to grab our attention? What is he trying to help us see? He's making the boldest of claims that Jesus is truly and fully God. Now, just a little side note here on this verse. Um, If you're someone who, like me, you live in an area where you'll occasionally get a knock on the door and there's a Jehovah's Witness on the other side, John 1.1 is the place to take them. Because here, as we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Jehovah's Witnesses have taken scripture, have twisted it, contorted it, tried to force it to say something it doesn't say, and they have changed John 1.1 to say, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a, small g, God. There's no reason for that at all. And so I just encourage you, When you're next in a conversation with Jehovah's Witness, be bold, be brave and say, hey, John 1, 1, what's that about? Don't let them take you down the little rabbit warren of questions. Stick to Jesus and say, what do you believe about Jesus? Why do you have a a twisted version of the Bible? And just to encourage you in that, my good mate Andy, he got into a really good conversation with a Jehovah's Witness a good few years ago. And he took him to this passage. 
And the conversation kind of went on and on, eventually came to an end, but they came back the next day to want to talk more. And anyway, this story led to the point where this Jehovah's Witness, uh, she realized that she was in a cult. She realized she was not uh, following the truth and she left that. She put faith in Jesus and she joined a local church. So there is power in God's word. There is power in Jesus, the word. And here John is saying Jesus was there in the beginning because he's God, the son of the father, a member of the Godhead, a member of the Trinity. And verse three, all things were made through him. This is an epic opening. So that means that as you read about Jesus in the New Testament, as you read through the Gospels, you have to read them on this epic backdrop of what John has already written. You know, for example, when uh, Jesus has been baptised in the Jordan River, he's been baptised in a river that he created. Or when he's eaten the Passover meal with his disciples, He's looking back to an event which he was at, looking back at the rescue of Israel out of Egypt. Or when Jesus was arrested in the garden, when men came in with clubs and swords, those men who arrested him were men who were made in his image. Are you needing to rediscover the wonder of who Jesus is? Then join John in recognising that he is the God of history, the God of eternity past, who rules and reigns over all things. And that phrase there in verse three, all things, that includes you. He is God over you. He is God over your circumstances, over your desires. He is God over your suffering, over your joys, over your idols, over your weaknesses, over your troubled thoughts that keep you awake at night, over your secret sin, over your victories, over your work, over your holidays, over your Christmas period. There is no part of your life that Jesus does not see and that Jesus does not rule over. You know, it makes me think of a, a famous quote by a guy called Abraham Cooper who said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Who is Jesus? John is telling us he is the God of life, who was there from the beginning, who rules over all. And he is the God of light. This is verse four. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. You know, this life that John says later in chapter 20, which we looked at a few minutes ago, this life that can be ours through faith in Jesus is now here for the first time in all of John's gospel described as light. I wonder, is there a subject in your life that you find yourself easily talking about? Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your job. For John, I think the subject that he loves to talk about is light. In fact, John uses the word light 24 times in just the opening 12 chapters of this book. John loves light. He loves to use this picture of light to help us understand who Jesus is and who in verse 9 he calls the true light. And we can see why Jesus is compared to light, right? 
Because light does to the physical world what Jesus does to our souls. Uh, One of the key things I think light does that we can all get our heads around today is that light exposes, doesn't it? If you were to come and visit me at my house when we're allowed to do that again, uh, you might find that you might hear a helicopter going overhead at some point. Uh, Unfortunately, there's quite a lot of crime in my area, uh, where there is shooting or stabbing or a drug deal or a stolen car, whatever's going on. And so the police have to regularly come over with their helicopter at night to try and find uh, this criminal activity that's going on. Because I think you'll agree with me, most crime seems to happen at night, right? Why? Well, because darkness acts like a covering. You can hide in it. And so sometimes I look out my window at night and there'll just be this helicopter doing circles just above the field by my house, shining down this huge beam of light. Like think um, like the bat signal, this huge beam of light just circling around in this field, looking, trying to expose the criminals who are trying to hide. Darkness hides, but light exposes. And if you want to rediscover the wonder of who Jesus is, then today step into the light that exposes. Here's the thing, Satan loves to try and keep us in the dark. And so when we fail at living a holy life, when we fail at living in ways that we know God wants us to live, when we give in to temptation, when we're struggling with sin, Satan who lives in the darkness loves to try to pull us into hide in the darkness by telling us lies. I wonder if any of this seems familiar to you, any of these lies resonate with you. When you know you've messed up and you just hear that voice in your head saying, don't worry about it, it wasn't that big a deal. Or, man, don't let your church family know that you did that because if they find out, they're gonna think less of you. They might not even love you as much as they do right now. Or maybe it's just that lie of, don't worry, it was just a one-time thing. You won't go there and do that again. Satan loves to try and convince us to keep our sin hidden in secrecy, to keep it in the dark. And when we live like that, you'll find our eyes grow slowly dim to the light of Jesus. His light is no longer a place that you want to run to. In fact, his light becomes a place that you want to try and avoid, a place that you want to run from. Secret sin slows you down and will eventually find you out. But what does the word say to us today? What does the God of grace speak to us through this passage? Look at verse five with me. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. No matter how deep in darkness we have tried to hide our sin, the invitation of Jesus is to bring that into the light, the light that tears through the darkness, the light that chases away the darkness. Jesus says, bring it into the light. To use that helicopter picture, It's like you're the criminal who has to step out of the bush you're hiding in, step into that beam of light, fall on your knees and say, here I am, I've done wrong. We're invited to step into the light of Jesus, 
in utter self-abandoning faith and say, here I am. And God has given us one another, Trinity Church. He's given us one another as a means of bringing our sin into the light. You know, if, if you're currently caught in ongoing secret sin, you, the invitation is confess that to a brother or a sister. Confess that to a Christian friend. Pray about it together. Bring it before the Lord together. And then be confident of his love and his mercy for you. Take confidence in this truth that the only reason we can bring our deeds of darkness into the light is because Jesus, the true light, has already stepped down into our darkness. Look at verse 14 with me. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is the incarnation. This is the wonder of the light. This is a verse in the Bible that should make us stop and truly say, wow. And more than that, this is a truth that should move us to worship. You know, God, the one who was there in the very beginning, the one who made all things, the word of life, the true light of mankind, he put on flesh. You know, that's why we sing around this time of year, Hark the Herald Angels sing those lyrics, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. It's just a fancy way of saying God became a baby, and that is amazing. You know, just consider this. Consider how God entered into this world. Consider the birth of Jesus. From his birth, Jesus was making it abundantly clear to us that he was coming to meet with us in our darkness. The God of the cosmos, the, the God who threw planets into space, who breathed life into the universe, the one who is before all things, the one who could have arrived in a blazing light of glory in our world, instead chose to be born under a single star in a little backwater town called Bethlehem. A baby who was literally born in the night, in darkness, almost in secrecy, where no one but his parents and some scraggly old shepherds in a field nearby knew about it. Born into a world that verse 10, though was made by him, would not recognise him. Born into a world which verse 11, would not even receive him. Jesus is born into the darkness of our world to meet us, people like us, people who would not recognize who he is, people who would reject him. He is born into darkness to meet us in our darkness. So that means whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you think of yourself, whatever your story up to this day, Jesus promises to meet you in the darkness. Whatever darkness you are in, you can trust that Jesus, the true light, has power over that darkness. From the incarnation, Jesus confronts the powers of darkness in this world. If you go on to read through John, you'll see that Jesus heals the sick. He has power over illness. He, he casts out demons. He has power over evil. He, he calms the storm. He has power over nature. Jesus truly holds all power, but he doesn't stop 
with those things, he goes further. As deep as the darkness goes, Jesus was prepared to go even deeper. Ultimately, Jesus disarmed the powers of darkness when he entered into the deepest darkness of the world. It's a darkness that I know, it's a darkness that you know, it's a darkness that we all know. We've all felt it, we've all experienced it. It's the dark powers of sin, which we've already experienced and been talking about, and it's the dark powers of death. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and took his last breath, he was taking the darkness of sin upon himself, in his body, and through his death, he brought those powers down into the grave. The light took on the darkness and became darkness. And then the light of the world went out and Jesus died. I wonder how often as Christians we actually stop to to really consider that. Because we've heard the gospel message a thousand times. We believe it, we know it, we love it. But how many times do we stop to really truly consider the light went out? Jesus died. He actually died. But three days later, Jesus breathed life back into his lungs as the light of the world rose like the glorious sunset, the most brilliant uh, sunrise the world has ever seen. Uh, A few years ago, Jude and I got to take a trip to America and we got to join the church uh, for their sunrise service one morning and we stood up high on this mountain watching the sunrise literally from below the clouds and above us and it was such a vivid picture of the glory of Jesus the light rising out of darkness because as the light of Jesus rose the darkness of sin and death were ultimately chased away and that means we can say with confidence light has come and you know we're invited today to rediscover the wonder of this light We're invited today to rediscover the wonder of knowing Jesus through our worship of him, through confessing to him, through running away from sin and and coming into the light. And let me just close with this. You know, as we rediscover the wonder of who Jesus is, we're also invited to retell the story of who Jesus is, to retell the story of light. Have a little look at verses six to eight with me. When we were reading this earlier, you might have noticed it feels a bit strange. We're talking about, you know, verses uh, one to five, the, the God who's before all things, who made all things, kind of, you know, huge, amazing cosmic God. And then all of a sudden we get to verse six and it says, there was a man, his name was John. You know, it's a little bit like we've gone from watching the closing scene of Avengers Endgame in the cinema and all of a sudden the dad from Peppa Pig appears on the screen. It's like, why are you here? Get out of the way. You don't belong in this scene. You know, we've gone from looking at the glory of Jesus to all of a sudden this man called John just pops up. Why? Why is the Bible written like this? What's, what should we take from this? Well, I think verse seven is the key verse here. Read it with me. Speaking of John, it said, he came as a witness to testify concerning that 
light. Here's the invitation of the gospel for us today. Not only do we get to stand and behold and watch the glory of the light of Jesus shining bright as he goes to the cross, as he dies for our sin, as he rises again, as he ascends to the Father, not only do we get to bask in his glory and live in the light today, we are also now invited along with John to witness to that light, to tell the story of that light, to say, look at what the light of the world has achieved for me. And that's the challenge I think we need to go out with today. We need to rediscover the wonder of who Jesus is, and then we need to go out, go out and retell the story of who Jesus is. We're in a world that's full of darkness. We're in a world where people are lost, where people are broken, where people are so lost in their sin that the light seems a million miles away. But God has chosen us, Trinity Church, to bear witness to the greatest story that the world has ever heard here in North Manchester, to go out and invite people to come into the light, to come meet with Jesus. We've got a great opportunity to do that as a church this year, this Christmas again, haven't we? We're doing Bake Along Online, it's gonna be a lot of fun but it's a small way of helping families see there is something about Jesus that I need. So really consider who can you be praying for? Who can you be inviting? And next year, we don't know what the year holds ahead for us yet, but who can you be praying for already? Because as you know, we're going to be wanting to reach North Manchester with the good news of Jesus. Who can you be praying for through this Christmas season? The person who you know and love, but who is lost in darkness who you long to see walking in the light. The big message today is light has come. Rediscover the wonder of Jesus and retell his glorious gospel story. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son into the darkness of our world so that we could be brought out of our darkness, so that we could walk in the light so that we could know you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we pray, would you help us not only to rediscover the wonder of your glory, but Lord, that we would be bold to go out into the world and to proclaim your name to a world that is desperate, in desperate need of you. Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your gospel. And we pray this in your name. Amen.